Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway, a United Methodist community in Portland, Maine. If you live locally, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Visit our website at www.hopegateway.com to learn more. But whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. have been talking about David for a while. And David is quite a fascinating character, a shepherd boy from a no-name family who killed lions and bears, who killed Goliath, who played on a harp, which got him in the good graces of King Saul and then the bad graces of King Saul. And so today, we are moving to the time where David is king. Not a boy, and not a fugitive fleeing for his life. Like many good things in life, This David series was inspired by the radio show, This American Life. (laughs) Several months ago, um, they broadcast a reprise of a show called Mistakes Were Made. It's not a nice title. Mistakes Were Made. So this person that Ira Glass was interviewing was talking about how politicians um, and children have an insincere way of apologizing (coughs) because they are forced to apologize even when they don't feel like apologizing, politicians and children. So he um, asked um, Ira Glass, so do you know the story of King David and Bathsheba? And Ira Glass said, no, tell me. So he did. And he did such a compelling telling of the story of the prophet Nathan's confrontation of this politician, King David, and forcing a sincere apology that um, I realized that the story of King David's life is a story worth telling, a story we can learn something from. And this man really paralleled the story to a modern political story. And I realized how much this story is like many, many stories we've heard, um, particularly stories over the past few years. So let's just take a minute to think about people who have fallen from grace in recent times. Thinking, I'm thinking primarily of people um, caught up in the Me Too movement, but you might think of other reasons people have fallen from grace as well. So let's just name a few. Who was a person who was well-respected and powerful in our society who 
is no longer because things were found out about them. Kathy. Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose. Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer. Bill Cosby. Jeffrey Epstein. Garrison Keillor. Placido Domingo. No, that's not right. Is that right? You get these opera singers mixed up. Anybody else you want to name? The governor of Puerto Rico. Yeah. So there are many, many people, right, who have been in a position of power and respect and seem really at the top of their game, and then something has been named about them, and that thing that was named about them was actually heard and believed and honored, and it changed the way that their position was in society. That doesn't always happen, but it's happening more and more, which is a good thing. So, let me tell you the story of King David. We're in the book of 2 Samuel now, and as skipped ahead as far as the 11th chapter. This is the story of David and Bathsheba. In the springtime of the year, in the season when most kings took their soldiers out to fight, David stayed in Jerusalem. and sent Joab out as general in, in charge of David's men and the whole army of Israel. They destroyed the Ammonites and put the city of Rahab under siege, of Rabbah under siege. Early one evening, David rose from his bed and was strolling on the palace roof when he saw a woman bathing on a roof below his. She was very beautiful. David sent someone to find out who the woman was. And the answer came back that she was Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Uriah was one of David's officers who had gone to war with the rest of David's troops. David couldn't get her off his mind. So he sent messengers to bring Bathsheba to him. She came and they had sexual relations. That's what it reads in my Bible. But I'm pretty sure in the post-Me Too era, even the Bible needs a little reframing. But back to more on that later. 
soon after she returned home, Bathsheba realized she was pregnant. And she sent news to David. Since their encounter occurred just after the purifying bath after her period, her husband Uriah could not have been the father. So David sent a message to his general, Joab. Send me Uriah the Hittite. So David proceeds to try to get Uriah to come home from battle for a little R&R reunion with his wife. But Uriah, being a man of integrity, refuses to go home while his fellow soldiers are still out in the battlefield. David tries a different tactic and gets Uriah drunk at the palace, and yet he refuses to go home in the neighborhood to spend a white night with his wife. So what could David do? Well, let's see. He could make a good choice or a bad choice at this point, but usually when you go down the path of one bad choice after another bad choice after another bad choice, it's hard to make a good choice. So, David arranged with his general, Joab, to get Uriah killed. And even though the battle goes quite badly because the point of the battle was to get Uriah killed, so many other people are killed. The general sends a message back to the king about the battle and includes the information that Uriah has been killed. And David says, oh good, that's, that's okay. That's, it's okay then. So the general and the messenger, and maybe some other people know about this situation, but David's trying really hard to keep it a secret. Bathsheba mourns her husband for seven days, and then David sent for her and made her his wife. So, before we get to the part of the story where David is held accountable for his actions, I'd just like to frame the story for a minute from Bathsheba's point of view. Women in this time had no autonomy or authority in their relationships with their husbands or fathers let alone with men who had more authority than their husbands or their fathers. So when King David sent a messenger to bring her to him, he was basically abducting her. She didn't have a choice to say no. She didn't have the right to ask questions. She was forced to leave her house and to appear before the king. Then, in some versions of the Bible, the title of this section is David Commits Adultery. 
Side note, David has multiple wives. This is not adultery. This is rape. Yes, I just said that word in church about the Bible. Bathsheba has further trauma trauma from this experience because she finds that she is pregnant. She has so many reasons to be afraid. Afraid of her husband and what he will do when he finds out. Afraid of her future. Afraid of her king. We don't know what Bathsheba knew about her husband's death or David's efforts to get him to come home, but I can imagine that when she heard he was dead, she might more than suspect David of orchestrating his death. But soon after, she is once again summoned to the king and forced to remain in the palace and to become another wife to a man who has done these things to her. That's Bathsheba's experience. In this Me Too era, we are able to see that women should not be put in positions, these positions, the positions of power over powerlessness is never justified. The very last verse of chapter 12 reads, But the Eternal One was displeased with what David had done. God knows what David did and is not happy. So back to the story from the Bible in chapter 12. The Eternal One sent the prophet Nathan to visit David. Nathan came to him and told him a story. David thinks this is a true story. Two men live in the same city. One was quite rich and the other quite poor. The rich man's wealth included livestock, with many flocks and herds, but the poor man owned only one little ewe lamb. He bought it and raised it in his family with his children, like a pet. It used to eat what little food he had, drink from his meager cup, and snuggle against him. It was like a daughter to him. This cute little lamb, kind of like Mary, Mary, little lamb, right? Now, a traveler came to the city to visit the rich man. To offer a proper welcome, the rich man knew he needed to fix a meal, but he did not want to take one of his animals from his flocks and herds, so instead he stole the poor man's ewe lamb and had it killed and cooked for his guest. Then Nathan waited for the king's 
reaction for the king's verdict. David grew very angry at the rich man. It was his royal duty to protect the poor and establish justice. David said, as the eternal one lives, the rich man who did this deserves to die. At least he will restore the lamb four times over because he acted without pity. You are that man, Nathan said to David. You are that man. This is the message of the eternal God of Israel. I was the one who anointed you to rule over Israel. I was the one who rescued you from the hand of Saul. It was I who gave you Saul's house, Saul's wives, and dominion over both Israel and Judah. If that were not enough, I would have given you as much again. So why have you despised the word of the eternal and chosen to do evil in his sight? It was you who killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and stole his wife, even though you used the Ammonites to do your dirty work. Now, because he was killed by the sword, the sword will be your constant companion. It will hang over your household, bringing death and violence to your family. Since you have despised me by showing no regard for my law, and you have taken Bathsheba, the lawful wife of Uriah the Hittite, to be your own wife. David, maybe seeing no other option, admits that he has done wrong and sinned in the eyes of God and does more than a typical politician apology. He actually seems convicted of his wrongdoing, maybe more so because David and Bathsheba's child becomes very sick and dies. David mourns this son and profusely begs for forgiveness while this child is sick and dying. little foreshadowing, David and Bathsheba have another son named Solomon who rules as king after David, but that's getting into next week's story and beyond. So, did David have what he needed to become a good leader? He didn't seem to be living out of the characteristics he needed to be a leader. He had no integrity. He had no humility. He had no compassion, no sense of justice, no loving kindness. did not nurture the things in himself that needed to be nurtured. 
he was corrupted by power and came to believe that he was the center of the universe and could do whatever he wanted. Sometimes we learn how to be from a role model who shows us the way to live. But it's true also that sometimes we learn how to be from someone who fails to live in the way of compassion and peace. The truth is that where we place our treasure... That's where we find our heart. Our heart follows after what we value in our mind. We have to seek to place values on the things that matter, rather than the passion of a moment. David failed. David should be despised. David did awful, awful things. And so we learn from him what not to be. In this story. But David is a complicated character, right? Because several weeks ago, Nathan said, we should be like David. We should be singing and learning out in the field at the school of God in the world. The truth is, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where is our treasure? And where are our hearts? Amen. We're going to...